We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings Week 9 DraftKings Picks and Preview Position by Position for the main site. If you out there want to help out the show and you're listening to the audio version of this podcast please scroll to the bottom of the page rate at five stars you're feeling generous leave a review if you're watching the video smash that like button and in the comment section give me your favorite value play or favorite defense of the week below three thousand dollars defense is below three thousand dollars and we'll call a sleeper below five thousand dollars at running back below four thousand dollars at receiver i want to hear what the people are saying about that my cheat sheet for the picks on the main slate. And this is main slate only people are going to be up on dkplaybook.com. You can find the rest of the shows in the description of this video and podcast. And if you listen, you bust out on Sunday, you need to have some of that master's content because that starts next Thursday. I mean, it starts before showdown starts for the NFL. So a full master's coverage coming out this week as well. Tune in Friday night for a full injury report for the weekend for the NFL. And don't be afraid to get the premium tools at ftndaily.com optimizer you have live chats you have discord discussions you have the picks but you also have the cornerback shadow index the wide receiver matchups the projections the ownership projections all that fun stuff behind the paywall at fdndaily.com code mayo gets you a discount on that for your time but hey if you don't if you're not in the business of paying for anything, go to FTNDaily.com and use the plethora of free tools, including the air yards, the red zone reports, the offensive line, defensive line. It's all up there right now. Go test out the site, FTNDaily.com. And here's one of the good parts about FTNDaily.com. Hiring lots of good people, new to the site, at FTNDaily.com, at FTNBets.com. A friend of mine who has not been on the show and I want to say three and a half years, but he is back. Benny Ricciardi, what's going on? Yeah, it actually has been about that long. We were talking about that a little earlier. Uh, you know, a lot of people know I was over at Elite for a little while and uh, wound up moving on. Started doing a 
little bit of a podcast here and a couple of my old friends who are now over at FTN reached out to me and was like, hey, you still in the business? You're still looking to do some stuff? I said, yeah, we'll see what happens. And uh, now I'm over here hanging out. I basically, I don't know if you heard this, Pat, but I actually wrote a little, I had a little bit of a Jerry Maguire moment about a week or two ago <laughs> and uh, basically wrote up a whole plan of how I wanted to do content for the show. And um, when I showed it to the guys over at FTN, they were like, oh my God, this is, this is great. Like, this is exactly what we want to do. And, you know, had a little bit of a discussion, had a little bit of a talk, a lot of guys that I've worked with before that I know and respect. And uh, yeah, so everything kind of worked out and, you know, you get the exclusive. This is, uh, I guess, the announcement of me joining over with the, uh, with the FTN family. Yeah, see, what you're supposed to say, instead of being a guy who's like, oh, I have a plan, I'm prepared, I have a good business background, I'm good at both daily fantasy and betting, and I do niche niche sports, like, well, I guess basketball is not really a niche sport, but as opposed to football, everything is a niche sport. So you have two sports that you can really hammer down, plus everything else in terms of the betting side, in terms of sports, you're just supposed to say, I joined because of you, Pat, because you're on my show, that's what you're supposed to say. Well, I mean, that's like a given for everybody out there. They kind of know that. You know, this is actually funny. I've actually been on your show. I think this is the second second or third time overall. You've actually been on my shows more than I've been on your show. So I know. We're going to have to have a discussion about this later on. Well, well, we'll try to figure that out. I mean, you you did just launch a new show as well. Uh, if people want to check it out, that is, what is the YouTube page for that? It's going to move around a little bit. But if you want to watch Benny every day, where can they find that? Yeah, it's going to wind up being over on the uh, the FTN YouTube page. So for anybody out there, go over to the FTN network, sign up for the YouTube page. That's uh, apparently one of the other things that was added onto my to-do list is uh, getting the YouTube channel started up over there and, and starting to get some content there. So um, our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Chris Meany, will be helping me out with a lot of that stuff. So you get a lot of videos with Meany and I. And I think um, your, your boy Feinberg is over there doing uh, doing some videos that'll be on the YouTube channel as well. So a lot of content from a lot of guys that uh, any of the fans of the, the PME show are going to know. Uh, so should be fun, should be uh, should be a good time. And you know what, we're gonna we're gonna have fun. We're gonna help you guys win some money. And, uh, you know, it's gonna be good. All right. Let's dig in to the week nine slate. Again, main slate Sunday, million, uh, millionaire maker slate only on DraftKings. Shitload of injuries this week. Uh, COVID tests, guys that are out. It's not great news. So you're going to have to keep updated on this as it goes along. I'll update the cheat sheet on Sunday morning to reflect any new injuries that might occur, any new values that open up. But when we start at running back uh, and we go to the very top of the pricing, it's a very familiar sight. It's good to see. Uh, and he's down in price from what he normally is. Christian McCaffrey is back, it looks like at least. He's $8,500. That's like a $1,500 discount on McCaffrey, isn't it? It, it is, but we also don't know exactly what the role is going to be. I think what we found out over the last couple months is that Mike Davis is not a bad player when he's put into those positions here. And you always got to worry about a guy when he's first coming back off of injury. Now, the way the coaches made it sound, they made it sound like, hey, if Christian McCaffrey is good to go. He's going to be the old Christian McCaffrey. But when a guy hasn't played in a couple weeks, I'm not expecting him to play 95, 98% of the snaps, which is something that we have seen Christian McCaffrey do in the past. I would figure he's still going to get a big workload. I wouldn't be worried about that. Like he'll get his 20, 25 touches, but you know, paying up 85, you got some other guys in that range that we'll talk about. I'm sure in a minute here that I think I'd rather put my money on than McCaffrey, nothing against them. I love Christian McCaffrey. He's one of the best players in the league. The fantasy numbers he put up last year were ridiculous, but I don't think he's going to be a guy I'm heavy on. Well, it's going to be really interesting. I really look forward to seeing uh, Kyle's ownership projections over at FTN daily code mail. 
by the way, if you want to go check those out, because I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to take this stand like, oh, we don't. Whenever there's an unknown about a player and their usage, especially like how much is he going to be used? I don't think the Carolina runs a two back system. And when I say that, I mean, I don't even think it's like a 70 30 type split. Like they've kept McCaffrey out this long. He's clearly healthy if they're bringing them back. Like, what are they doing? Rushing him back so he can re-tear his hamstring? Like, no. So I would expect him to play 80-plus percent of the snaps here. And I think that a lot of people are going to be pensive about it because you're dealing with a situation where Dalvin Cook is only $300 less. He's in a terrific matchup at home against the league's worst run defense and giving up fantasy points or DraftKings points to running backs coming off a gigantic week that seems like... I'm not saying fade Delvin Cook because that would be crazy because he's a fantastic running back, the best points per game player in the best matchup. But if you get a situation where Dalvin Cook is going to be four times his own as Christian McCaffrey, and I don't know if that's going to be the case. Like that would be 100% play Christian McCaffrey in that spot instead and just leverage yourself that way. Yeah, I mean, again, if we're getting into game theory here, I 100% agree with you. If you're playing in a cash game this weekend over on DraftKings, though, Dalvin Cook is the guy you're putting into your lineup, especially after we got the Stafford news on the other side, because I can't imagine that, you know, Detroit is going to really be coming out here and putting up massive points where Minnesota would fall into like a negative game script that would that would affect Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook's one of those guys where even a negative game script doesn't really change anything for him because he's still going to be out there catching passes. He'll still have an occasional run here or there, depending on down and distance and stuff like that. So for tournaments, I, I get, I get where you're coming from there. I mean, guys like Eric Henry, guys like Christian McCaffrey, they're going to be way lower on than Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is likely to be the biggest chalk this week here. But it's also, like you said, such a good matchup. They're playing one of the weaker run defenses that's giving up a lot to the running backs. The guy is getting, what, 20 carries a game with another three targets as well. So volume is going to be mad for him there. Do I expect another yeah, 51 fantasy points last week? No, probably not. But he should get in the end zone at least once, maybe twice put up 30-plus fantasy points, that's not a crazy number right there. For tournaments, if you're looking to try to beat them, yeah, guys like Christian McCaffrey, guys like Derrick Henry, probably the only guys that have a chance to put up a bigger number than Dalvin Cook. But if you're not playing Dalvin Cook in cash games, I can tell you that most of the other guys are going to be, and you're going to be behind the eight ball. Well, here's the thing. It's been a long time since you've been on this show. We don't play cowardly cash games on this show, Benny. Come on now. We're trying to win a million bucks here. (laughs) Well, again, fair enough. If If that's the case... The last couple of weeks, here's something I'll throw out there for you, man. If you look back the last couple of weeks at who the chalk running back was and then who the running back that wound up scoring the most points was, they're never really the same guy. You know, it's always not that they do badly, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Derrick Henry as the chalk. He put up like 20 points and you got, you know, you got bigger weeks from some of the other top end running backs. If you're playing in tournaments, especially the Millie maker with as many people are in there then game theory is a big deal here. So you don't want to play the guy that's going to be 30% owned or 28% owned like Dalvin Cook is probably going to be. If Dalvin Cook goes off, it's not even going to guarantee that you're going to cash if he's 30% owned. If Dalvin Cook has a bad game, though, or Dalvin Cook gets hurt, you're knocking out a third of the field by not playing him there. And if the big game happens to be a guy like Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry, and those guys are more – they're never low owned, but more in the 10 or 12% range – it's a lot less lineups you have to compete with to get up to the top if you do that. So fading the chalk running back is definitely a good thing to go, especially at the higher end. Because, hell, Dalvin Cook could have a good game and only put up 20 fantasy points or 25 fantasy points, and that's not going to get it done for you in the millimeter. 
Yeah, there, when you talk about the element of game theory when it comes down to it, this is what we talked about on the show last week when Radcliffe was on, that you know, we were on Dalvin Cook last week because the other two top, like there's nothing that really differentiates. I guess De- Derrick Henry's kind of on an island of his own because he's not involved in the receiving game. But as it pertains to his upside, that doesn't matter because he's going to basically score three touchdowns if he hits his peak and rush for 200 yards, which the other guys probably won't. They'll have to have a receiving base, get those combo yards. But at the same time, we looked at the ownership and it was like, oh, Dalvin Cook is coming in one-third of these other two guys. The matchup's a little bit worse, sure. I mean, it wasn't significantly worse. You just thought it would be a negative game script, which it turned out it wasn't because we we don't predict the future here. But at the same time, we knew that he was going to get his volume. We knew that, yeah, he's coming off a little bit of an injury, but they say he's okay. That scared people off of playing him. And as it turned out, you had to have him last week because no one else had him comparatively to the other top end running backs. Like, oh, I don't need to play Delvin Cook. I'll for sure play Derrick Henry. Not to say that one was a better play than the other. In retrospect, you can definitely figure that stuff out. But just going into the week when you were trying to assess it, you're like, I could play Derrick Henry for three times the ownership of Dalvin Cook. Now it's the exact opposite this week because people just look at me like, oh, Chicago's a really tough run defense. Derrick Henry fucking smashes at home. That's what he does. But I really do have a feeling that McCaffrey is going to be the low owned one here. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one for the same reasons that Dalvin Cook was kind of the low owned one last week. When you have a guy that's coming off of injury, you know, you there's a lot of people out there that play that read sites like FTN and, and some of the other content that comes out, the DK playbook and things like that. When you're a writer, you and I have both been in this situation. When you have guys that are question marks or you didn't even think a guy was going to play, you don't even kind of write them up. You kind of gloss over them a little bit there. And then when the news comes in late in the week, like it did with Dalvin Cook, that, yeah, he's going to be active, he's going to be go, he's going to be a full go. By that point, a lot of people already had their lineup set. So they're not going to go back and put a whole bunch of Dalvin Cook in there. And that's why we were able to get Dalvin Cook at lower ownership than he probably would have been last week if we knew on Monday, you know, that he was going to play and that everything was going to go there. So Christian McCaffrey is kind of that guy this week. I mean, even now we're not – the coaches are saying, yeah, he started practicing. We're going to see how it goes. We don't know how much we're going to use him this week. You know, if he goes out there and has his normal role, you're going to be getting him at probably the lowest ownership you're going to get Christian McCaffrey at all season. And it's funny because he's, like I mentioned off the top, he's about fifty. Or he's about $1,500 cheaper than he normally is in the average run of a week, which is really interesting to see. And in this matchup against Kansas City, this could be the optimal passing game game script for Christian McCaffrey if they do truly use him in that fashion. This could be like 10 catches. Like There was a point during the season when Mike Davis was averaging seven and a half catches a game. I would think that Christian McCaffrey would be even more utilized if he's back to 100%. Two things, though. One, on the Friday evening show, the injury report, that's also coupled together with the projected DraftKings ownership going into the weekend. So I highly recommend you check out that Friday evening show. You can watch it on Saturday or even Sunday morning, hell, if you want. Uh, And that is also a question and answer period. So if you do have questions about the DraftKings slate or your season-long fantasy or prop bets, whatever it might be about football, you throw it in that comment section. I will get back to you on that one. Number two, you got to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. The link is in the description of this video and podcast. There's also a Masters Listeners League link, which has 5,000 spots, which is filling hilariously fast. So you're probably going to want to go over and click on the golf show. There's a Masters show already out and getting that one right now. But fill up the NFL one first because those spots will probably be gone by Saturday. Uh, and it's a no-rate contest. And it's only three max. It's only 15 bucks. And if you min cash, you at least double your money. So uh, it's like a cash game in that sense because there's no rake. It allows for flatter payouts. Uh, and it's a pretty competitive field. It's fun to play. And you can go beat the shit out of me. I 
losing it every single week. Except for last week, because I had Delvin, Delvin Cook in Miami's defense. That's all you really needed to cash a week ago. The rest of the running back slate, looking at it. So you have those top three guys. I prefer McCaffrey. We'll see how the ownership breaks down. But then you have James Robinson, Connor, Edmonds. Uh, Edmonds is $6,800 here. Mike Davis, uh, just in case McCaffrey doesn't play, they had to price him up anyway. Zeke's hurt but it looks like he's going to play in a terrible matchup, and he's been bad anyway. Carson looks like he's not going to play here. Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, Edwards Alaire. We don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor's ankle. Gaskin was just put on IR. Great spot for Antonio Gibson. Montgomery, uh, a softish matchup at 57. Like, where are you looking at here? Like, what do you think you will build the majority of your lineups around at running back? Do you think it's a week to go two running backs and another one in the flex because there are potential pay down options with all these injuries? Or is it a week to pay up for one, maybe two, and try to find value somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to pay for volume as often as I can every week here. So I do wind up with at least one of the high-end guys on pretty much every lineup that I make here. And then, like you mentioned, there is some value. I think there's really two tiers this week, right? There's the tier of like 6,800 and above from like the Chase Edmonds, uh, James Conner, and there's another guy there, and James Robinson. Like those three guys right there. And then the guys that we talked about already, the Dalvin Cooks and the, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Derrick Henry's, all those guys you probably wind up wanting at least one of those guys there because there are a bunch of wide receivers that you're going to want to put in here as well. So you're going to need some money to spend up there. But there's a lot of guys around that 5K range that are real interesting to me too, from David Johnson basically on down. You got guys, uh, DJ Dallas is the one that we should probably start with because you mentioned Chris Carson here. If Chris Carson is not going to play, we know that Carlos Hyde is out already. DJ Dallas had a great game last week and He's going to be another guy that is going to have opportunities to score touchdowns down there. He's going to be able to get a couple passes out of the backfield just because of how banged up they are at, uh, at the running back position. And he's also going to get the carries as well there. And this is a game that a lot of people do think is going to turn into a little bit of a shootout and is going to see a lot of points. You got two pretty good offenses in Buffalo and Seattle and two really bad defenses and the same two teams that we just mentioned right here. So I think DJ Dallas at 5K is a guy I'm going to wind up going to a decent amount. Now, unlike last week, DJ Dallas was announced as a starter last week, probably about 2 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So unless you were late swapping, which was a very smart thing to do, we got him at like 5% older less in some of these tournaments here. For as a lot of people don't bother to use the late swap when that late information comes in. You're not going to get him at 5% this week. He's probably going to be one of the chalkier guys. I I'm interested to see if he gets up there around like 20% if we get the news that Chris Carson's going to be out. Because there are other guys in that range. I mean, you have Justin Jackson from the from the Chargers, who has pretty much taken over the number one role there. I don't even think Josh Kelly got much playing time, if any, last week. I, I mean, they basically used, uh, who is it, uh, Tremaine Pope was the other guy who was getting carries for them. But Jackson was clear the number one over there for them last week. So he's somebody I like at 4,900. Wayne Gallman, assuming that uh, Devontae Freeman is going to mm -hmm. be out again this week. You know, yeah, I mean, I don't really like it either, but you know what? At $4,500, he was the guy that got all the volume last week, and he was on the wrong side of variance too because he didn't get the touchdown on that play down there at the end. I think he got stopped in the red zone, and then they wound up throwing that little, you know, that little out pass to the uh, – who's that backup? Oh, Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis was the guy who wound up getting there, but Deion Lewis only had like two or three touches last week. I don't think he had a carry. I think he had two or three targets that went his way. You just happen to be the guy that gets the touchdown, and sometimes that happens. You give that touchdown over to Goldman, who was the guy that was doing all the work there. He would have had a pretty good week last week. He's only 4500 It's a very cheap price. A guy at 4500 doesn't need to do a ton 
to get us a you know a decent uh, a decent fantasy score there. He might be a guy that I'd be looking at as well. And then the other the other situation that I like here, pretty much the same thing happened to J.K. Dobbins that we're talking about with Gallman. Dobbins got more of the work than Gus Edwards did with Mark Ingram out, and he was pretty good. He had a, over a hundred yards. Looked at looked really good when he was running the ball out there. Edwards was the one who wound up getting in the end zone and getting the touchdown, though. So you had a good day from Dobbins, but it wasn't a great day because he didn't get in the end zone. If you can get the variance there of him being the guy that gets into the end zone this week, he could have a 20, 25-point day for under 5K, which not a lot of people out there are going are gonna to be able to put up those kind of numbers. So I don't know. I, I'm just going to go pure fade on Goldman just because Alfred Morris was, for some reason, in the mix with the Giants all of a sudden on the ground and now it's week two of him maybe he's even more involved I don't know what's going on there plus the defensive front for the Washington footballs quite good so I'm just gonna take a pass on that one the problem I have with DJ Dallas is that he's banged up in practice now too and it looks like Travis Homer is going to be back closer to full strength for this game against the Bills where you could have a situation that's a bit inverted from last week where we get to the actives and inactives at 11:35 a.m eastern time because this game is in Buffalo and we find out that all of a sudden Homer is the one starting in this matchup and he's only 4k then you have the Miami guys so Miles Gaskin placed on IR Matt Breda is $4,000, but he has this hamstring problem, so he may or may not play. But Jordan Howard is only $4,000 too, and then you have Patrick Laird, everyone's favorite. In Laird, we trust. Also $4,000. But if there's no, like if Breda plays, I think he's the play at the min. So here's my problem with this, right? Let's let's rewind to like week one or week two of the season here with this Miami team. And Breda was supposed to be the guy coming into the year. It was a guy that a lot of our season-long friends were, you know, taking late in, the, late in a lot of these drafts and, and was thinking that he had a chance to go because nobody knew who Miles Gaskins was until about week three of the season when he really started, like, bursting onto the scene and, and taking over that running back room. So if you remember back to, like, week one and two, Breda did get a lot of the work out there. But the thing that killed it for me is whenever they got down inside the five, it was Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard had the – I, I used to call him the Matt Asiata line where you have like four carries for two yards and two touchdowns. That was Jordan Howard's role at the beginning of the year. So with Gaskin out of the way at this point in time, I'm going to think that this turns into a complete and total committee where you're going to get some carries for Breda. You're going to get some carries for Patrick Laird. You're going to get a couple carries down in the red zone for a guy like Jordan Howard. Interesting to see whether or not Howard is active this week, because that would be the thing that would kind of push me one way or another. He's been inactive the last couple of weeks, but he's been inactive because he wouldn't have been used down there anyway. They were using Miles Gaskins as the goal line running back. I don't know if they're going to give Breida the goal line carries, which is the big thing for me, because if he's not going to get into the end zone, maybe he does break a 35, 40 yard run for a touchdown, but I don't want to count on him having to break a long run for a touchdown to give me upside there. Is he cheap enough that you can still use him? Yeah, I guess. But I feel like the game for Breida here is going to be, 65 yards, maybe two or three catches for 15 yards. And even in a PPR site, that barely gets you around 10. You know, not going to be enough to win me a millie maker. I just, I don't see the upside with Matt Breida here. That's my problem. Well, let's say Breida's out. Would you just then use Jordan Howard? <sighs> see, I, I, I still don't think that Jordan Howard would be the guy that they give all the carries to. I, I, um, I, I, I would bet he plays 65% of the snaps unless they get down like 21 nothing. If, if he's going to play – well, again, he's not a guy that you're, you're going to use out of the backfield catching passes probably, right? So if they get down, that's going to be a real big problem because then you're not going to use them at all. If he's going to get 60% of the carries, I mean, listen, you look at that, Gaskins was a guy that was getting 
you know, 12 to, to, to 17 a game, somewhere in there, you know, plus or minus a couple on 15. Maybe you give Jordan Howard, what, 12 to 13 carries here. He's really not like a five-yard per carry, six-yard per carry kind of guy. He's not going to get you big chunk runs. He's basically going to run into the line, fall forward for hopefully four yards every time he does it. So 50, 60 yards there, you're really counting on the touchdowns for him. Like I said, the touchdown equity is the thing that makes me like Jordan Howard more than any of these other guys. But I got to be honest, I don't know how Miami is going to move the ball. I'm actually interested to see what Tua can do in this game because I think if they're going to win and really have a chance to win this game, they're going to have to put it on his arm a little bit. And we're going to have to see if, uh, you know, if the kid's ready to handle that. Do you think he can? I think he can. I mean, I think coming out of college, remember two years ago, everybody was tanking for Tua. And then all of a sudden Joe Burrow came on the scene and had like a, a monster senior year and he became the number one overall pick. But people were expecting Tua to be that guy. That was this year. Everyone's tanking for Trevor Lawrence. You know, that was what everybody was expecting people to do last year was tank to get Tua. So I, I honestly think that the biggest problem that was holding Tua back was the injury. Nobody doubts the guy's talent. If he's healthy and he's ready to go, I think he has a chance to be a really good NFL quarterback for a really long time. So, again, he's a rookie. Peyton Manning threw 20-something interceptions as a rookie. You expect guys are going to struggle a little bit as a rookie, just getting up to the speed of the game, especially a guy that really hadn't played football in over a year. Even that first game, they were lucky. They took a big lead early in that game. They only had to have him drop back the pass about like 22 times that first game. I think this is going to be a game where if they expect to win, you're going to need two of throwing the ball 30, 35 times, if not more, probably even more if they fall behind. So, like I said, we're going to find out a lot about Tua in that offense this week. Uh, you had mentioned before we get off running backs to pay for the volume. and that, I mean, if you can get up to these guys in that level, like someone even like Chase Edmonds, I'm curious to see where his ownership ends up coming in at just because – this Miami defense is structured a lot like the Rams defense, where you have two corners that are excellent. They can bring a lot of pressure now that they have that ability to just basically sit back and play man and cover the outsides. That Edmonds is a nice little chess piece here because you can run on Miami and his out of the field is out of the backfield pass catching prowess can really go a long way against this sort of front that's going to bring a lot of guys and kind of just move out of the middle of the field, one cutback, and you can get right up. So I like him a lot in this spot, and I think that people are, they might be off of it a little bit. And same as James Robinson, because they don't really know what's going on in the battle. They don't know how productive this offense is going to be without Gardner Minshew. At least, not that Minshew was good, but you knew what you could get from him, and that was good enough. And then you had mentioned someone like David Johnson. You know that he's going to end up with all the volume. He even cracked 100 yards on the ground last time against Jacksonville, despite Deshaun Watson throwing for almost 400 in that game. So he's pretty safe in terms of volume. The one I really want to hammer on, though, is Philip Lindsay, who is just way better than Melvin Gordon, and they get Atlanta. Yeah, I, he is way better than Melvin Gordon. The problem you have is that Melvin Gordon's still there and still still getting uh, still getting work. The other problem I have with Melvin Gordon is they like Melvin Gordon more as the receiving back out of the backfield. So you basically that was one of the things that we liked about Lindsey in the past is that he get you a couple catches to go along with you know the game breaking ability he has because he's a guy that could take any touch and go forty yards to the house with it. He's got that kind of speed when he gets out there. I don't like when a guy is you know, splitting carries. I also don't like when he's losing, you know, the passing down work, especially when you're on a PPR site like DraftKings. It's just so, already you gain more yards when you throw a pass to a running back than you do when you hand the ball to him. You know, it's almost it's almost twice as many that you get fantasy points-wise when you throw a ball to a guy as opposed to hand it to him. When you're on a PPR site, it's even more than twice because you're also getting the, 
you know, the extra point for the PPR there. So I like Lindsay's talent more than I like Melvin Gordon's talent, but I like Melvin Gordon's role more than I like Lindsay's role. And the fact that they're using the both of them kind of keeps me off of both of those guys because you can get, you know, again, to go back to a guy like David Johnson, David Johnson's only 5,600 this week. I don't think a lot of people are going to play him because a lot of people aren't big fans of him. But this is a guy that's getting over 20 touches every week, 19 carries. I think he's averaging. He's averaging over three targets a game as well. This is a guy that you don't have to worry about that. He's going to get the passing down work there. He's going to be a guy who can run the ball into the end zone if they're in the, in the red zone. He gets all the things that you really want in one guy for a price that's even better than the Melvin Gordon price. Not as good as the Philip Lindsay price, but again, I'll pay for the volume because – when you're paying for the volume, it's just more and more chances that the guy does something big, breaks a breaks a big run, gets you a you know forty yard run and a touchdown is a ten fantasy point occurrence right there on one play. You're going to need those guys that do that. Even last week, a guy like Dalvin Cook, who's at the top of the list here for running backs, the reason Dalvin Cook had such a good week is because Dalvin Cook got in the end zone three times, broke a couple big runs, broke a couple big plays. Whether you're paying up eight thousand for a guy or whether you're getting a guy at four thousand, the big plays is what really changes things if you're trying to go and win a Millie maker here. And that's why I don't mind Lindsay in this sort of context. Cause I feel like if he's going to score, it's going to be from 40 yards out. True. No, that, that, and that is kind of his MO is, you know, breaking into that second level and then nobody being able to catch him. So there's definitely some upside there. And I'll tell you what, you're going to get Philip Lindsay. He'll be a less than 5% owned kind of guy this week in a Millie maker. Yeah. I think it's worth the gamble. Uh, if you're going to go down with it, now, he could sink you down with the ship as well with like four points or something like that. Cause he has 40 yards rushing on you know, 10 carries. And that's all he does for the entire game. But you're playing for that substantial upside. I just don't think anyone's going to use him. Let's switch to receiver. One of the premium tools at FTNDaily.com, code mail for your discount, is the Shadow Index, the wide receiver cornerback matchup tool that gets populated with rankings every single week. So if we look at it for this week, on the main slate, if you're looking at the best matchups a receiver has across the slate, Tyler Lockett has the single best matchup against the Bills in the slot where they just bleed points. Then it's Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson, both against the corners on Detroit. And Chase Claypool would then be up next against Anthony Brown on Dallas. Those are your top five in terms of just general matchups. Can you see yourself getting away from Tyler Lockett here? Um, I mean, two weeks ago, it was all Lockett. Last week, it was all Metcalf. It does feel like it's going to be all Lockett this week. Yeah, and even if you look through the game logs for those two guys, they've kind of been alternating throughout the season, putting up 40-point games and then kind of disappearing a little bit while the other guy goes and does his thing. The thing, even more so, you know, you're looking at the top of the list. Let's also look at the, you know, the bottom of the list here. Like, DK Metcalf is a guy that everybody loves, and people are like, well, why would you play Lockett over Metcalf this week? Metcalf lining up on the outside is going to be lined up against Tredavious White, who is one of the best cornerbacks in the league right here. Does that mean DK Metcalf's not going to get any targets or not going to do anything this week? No. That's one thing that I think people overdo when they look at the cornerback wide receiver chart. Yeah, it's a tough matchup. What that means is that it's more likely that the guy is not going to hit his upside. It doesn't mean he's not going to do anything. It doesn't mean you're going to get no catches out of DK Metcalf. But when you're a coach and you're game planning and you look, okay, do I want to attack Tredavious White, a you know potential defensive player of the year over the past couple seasons kind of guy? Or do I want to go inside and attack a guy like Tyron Jackson, who's got a PFF grade of like 45, which is one of the lower ends you're going to find for a cornerback out there? It's just a much easier path to success. And that's a guy that's going to be lined up with, you know, Tyler uh, Lockett for most of that game. 
to me, Lockett is the guy I have a big star next to here. I think he's going to be super chalky. So maybe there's a case we can be made to fade him in tournaments. But, man, I, I like this is a 30, 40 point kind of situation for Tyler Lockett. He could just have an absolute blowout game here as the number one receiver for uh, Russell Wilson, as we've seen him do two or three times already. So if we go and just talk about all of the top end receivers, Hopkins is the most expensive at $8,200. Then it's Metcalf at 78, Diggs in the same game at 74, Julio, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, like I talked about in that awesome matchup against Vegas. It doesn't look like Calvin Ridley is going to play against Denver, which just makes Julio Jones even better, presumably. Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett, and Will Fuller. That's 68 up to 8200 bucks. Those are your top 10 guys. I don't think anyone's going to use Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson is currently second in the league in targets. My big problem with Allen Robinson is upside. Now, I love Allen Robinson. I have Allen Robinson in season long. I felt like people were kind of sleeping on him um, because of the whole quarterback situation there. And, and it's valid because the quarterback situation there is bad. I mean, listen, I am not a Mitch Trubisky fan. And I was hoping that Nick Foles was going to eventually get the job, which he did. But Nick Foles hasn't been all that great either over there for them. You start looking at the game logs for Allen Robinson. Yeah, he does very well every game. You mentioned it. He gets a lot of targets. But he's also a guy who has a very low catch rate. And it's not his fault. He's just he's not getting good passes thrown his way. So his catch rate on those targets isn't as high as you would expect. So you kind of got to adjust a little bit for there. But the other thing with him, because that he has such inaccurate quarterbacks that are throwing him the ball, he's not a guy that's really put up a big ceiling game at all this year. And, and that's my beef with him is he's a solid – 18 to 22 fantasy points. Again, you're playing cash. Allen Robinson, the guy you throw in there. You're playing tournaments. You're trying to take something down. I'll take DeAndre Hopkins, who I think could get double-digit targets this week, especially because he's going to be lined up. You know, we, we, you mentioned that Miami has two good corners. You know, Howard has been great this year. Byron Jones really hasn't been. Um, and that's the guy who's going to be lined up most likely on DeAndre Hopkins. So I like that matchup a lot for Hopkins there. I like Keenan Allen a ton. I mean, you're talking about Keenan Allen, double-digit targets, five or seven games this year. I'd rather play him there at the top. And then you mentioned a guy who I think is going to be a little bit sneaky. I mean, he's never really sneaky, but I have a lot of Julio Jones in the lineups that I've made already this week. Assuming Calvin Ridley's not going to be there. You know, Russell Gage hasn't really played all that well either. You know, Julio's biggest problem is he needs to get in the end zone, right? Like, we see him put up these massive catch totals, these massive yardage totals, but for some reason, I think he only has two touchdowns on the season, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you have this big, tall, physical, freakishly athletic wide receiver. How can we not get this guy in the end zone? But anybody who's a Julio fan knows this has been an issue for years and years at this point. The entire problem with all of this is going to be is how do you stack these players together? And we'll get to the quarterbacks and the best game stacks that are available, but it's going to be incredibly difficult based on what the best stacks of the weeks are to say, oh, I'm going to do this game stack and insert Julio Jones as well. It just doesn't feel like you're going to have the money to do it unless you play Atlanta's offense or to stack the Denver game, which you can theoretically do if you play like Drew Locke and Noah Fant and bring it back with Julio. Like there's different permutations of that that could definitely work, but it's going to be hard to say, you know what, I'm stacking Bill Seahawks, but I'm also going to play Julio. It's just not going to work. So this is actually, especially for a Millie maker, here's a little, a little tip for you guys out there when you're, when you're trying to get a little bit different with your Millie maker lineups. Cause again, you got to be unique when you have, you know, couple hundred thousand lineups that are going to be in this tournament here. Matt Ryan is probably not going to be a guy that a lot of people play this week, which means you're not going to have a lot of Ryan Julio stacks. You know, Tyler Lockett is going to be super highly owned because you're going to have a lot of Russ Wilson, Tyler Lockett stacks because people play Russ every week here. 
when you have a guy who's not going to be part of the highly owned stack, you tend to get him way lower owned than the other guys who are in that same area. So we may see 30, 25, 30% ownership on Tyler Lockett this week. You might see five to 10% ownership on Julio Jones. You know, I don't think Julio Jones gets above 12 or 13% ownership this week. Cause like you mentioned, if people are stacking, you want to have the wide receiver that goes with your quarterback. You're looking at these other guys, you know, you're stacking Deshaun Watson, you're playing the Wolf Fullers, you're stacking Josh Allen, you're playing the Stefan Diggs here, you're stacking, you know, Wilson with Lockett, you're stacking, uh, you know, even even Keenan Allen with a guy like, uh, you know, Justin Herbert. If you're not playing Matt Ryan, and we don't expect Matt Ryan to be highly owned this week, it's going to hurt the ownership for Julio there, because you can only fit so many high-priced guys in, and if the guys that you're putting in there at wide receiver are going to be high priced. You probably want them linked with your quarterback. So I think Julio comes in lower owned than a lot of these other guys that we're talking about here, the, the Hopkins, the Allens, the Lockets, the Diggs. You know, if you're going to give me Julio at lower ownership than those guys without his running mate, without Calvin Ridley, and maybe even without the guy who's been doing a lot of work early in the season in the slot and gauge, I mean, this could be a 10 to 12 target Julio game where he has 150 yards. And like I said, if he gets in the end zone, it's going to be a smash. I just feel like if Ridley ends up out and people know that, that everyone will just go to Julio. Just they'll see Ridley out, I will play Julio. And if you're out there, we tried this earlier in the year, don't fuck around with the other guys. Don't worry about Christian Blake or Zacchaeus. Maybe they'll have a good game, but uh, you're probably just best off passing. You'll win more times that way. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play another guy, when we get to tight ends, we'll talk about the other guy that you should be playing. Exactly. So if we talk about this like 7 to 5K range, the mid-tier at wide receiver, is there anyone in particular that really sticks out because like you said Lockett's going to be super chalky I'm good with eating the Lockett chalk by the way I think that's a nice price for a guy in a fantastic situation but I mentioned that both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen have really nice matchups here it seems like Jefferson just gets forgotten he's kind of boomer bust when it comes down to it this is just a fantastic situation because you know no one's going to use him mainly because everyone's going to use Dalvin Cook. And you're not going to use Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and Jefferson. You could, but it's just not what people are going to do. So Justin Jefferson is a guy just is going to be completely overlooked here in a fantastic matchup. In a game where you mentioned Stafford at the beginning, Stafford still has a chance to play in this game. If he tests negative each of the next five days, he can play on Sunday. Yeah, and again, we're going to have to wait. That's probably going to wind up being a game-time decision right now. And it could actually change things because if Stafford's playing, you figured that this could turn into a little bit more of a shootout. It could go a little bit back and forth. I'm assuming Chase Daniels is going to be the guy who starts if Stafford doesn't play. And I don't see Chase Daniels getting into a a shootout here and and kind of going there. But one thing I wanted to mention, because you kind of mentioned it, when you have a guy like Dalvin Cook at running back, who's going to be so highly owned, it makes sense to look at those, especially in a big tournament like the Millie Maker, it makes sense to look at those wide receivers as leverage. Because let's say Dalvin Cook doesn't have a good game and he's 25% owned. If he's 25% owned, you're probably getting these wide receivers at less than 10% owned. If just if uh, Jefferson or even Thielen, whichever one you want, if one of those two guys goes off and puts up a big game, 30, you know, 30 fantasy points, we'll say, you're knocking out all the people that had Dalvin Cook that you faded. And you're also putting yourself in a group, a small group of people, maybe 7, 8, 10% that had that guy that did wind up going off. So it's always a good idea to look at the running backs um, or to look at the guys that are going to be highly on that running back and try to find some of those wide receivers that, you know, are on that team that are going overlooked because if we all know that Dalvin cook's going to be the guy that they're going to be concentrating on getting the ball to this week, you got to think that the defensive coordinators of the teams that those high owned running backs are playing know the same thing. If they start putting a 
you know, seventh or eighth man in the box to try to shut that down. If you're going to have one-on-one on the outside with guys like Jefferson and Thielen all day, there's a chance one of them could get two touchdowns this game. I will say this. Do not stack Kirk Cousins with both of them because it's usually one or the other of those two guys that goes off. I actually prefer Thielen and Jefferson a little bit, but it's really, really close between those two guys at this point. I would almost call it a coin toss. The thing that Jefferson has on his side, he's the one who's more likely to get you that big, long touchdown. Looking at the 5K guys, well, you have you just have a lot of teammates in decent matchups here. So you have both the Carolina guys. Uh, we talked about McCaffrey, but I mean, McCaffrey's one of the few running backs you could probably actually stack with a quarterback if you wanted to play Teddy B. But DJ Moore is at 56. Robbie Anderson is at 63. Terry McLaurin's back off by. He's going to end up drawing Bradbury. He had some success last time, but not enough for this price tag where you really see it going kind of bananas here. Uh, Marquise Brown has the better of the matchups against the Colts. Marquise uh, uh, Boykin, Miles Boykin's going to have the terrible one. Corey Davis, bad matchup. Then you have all of these Steelers guys against Dallas. Feels like you need exposure to the Steelers offense, but not knowing who it's going to be is going to be super tough to figure out. Do you have a lean on this? And I think it, I think this will actually, the confusion will keep people away. Deontay Johnson just came off the injury report too. So Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool is is very interesting the way that it's kind of worked out with these two guys when they're both healthy. So Johnson, I think, played six or seven games this year. He either goes for like 13 targets or, gets or he hurt. gets like three targets. Yeah, well, it gets hurt too. That's also part of the reason why. But he's had some very big games and some games where he's absolutely disappeared. Now, what we've also seen is the games that he disappears are the games that Chase Claypool kind of comes out there and, you know, goes nuts and then and, and puts up some big numbers. I really, of all these guys, I mean, James Conner is the guy that I had the most exposure to in the early lineups that I built here. I'm not really looking to go very heavy on the Steelers wide receivers for a couple of reasons. Like, I like Claypool, but he's no longer super cheap. I like Deonta Johnson, but you're going to need one of those double-digit target games, and I feel like those are more likely to come in a game where I see them trailing, and that's not really the way that I see this game here. And then Juju, who was a guy that kind of disappeared early in the season, has come back and been the Juju Smith-Schuster the last couple games that we kind of expected him to be all year. And you also have Eric Ebron as a guy who they're working into the offense a little more too. So there's just a lot of mouths to feed. And with all those mouths to feed, you would think that Ben Roethlisberger would have some big games if that was the case. And he really hasn't. I don't think we've gotten over 22 or 23 DraftKings points for Ben Roethlisberger all season here. So I'm a little suspect on that. Here's the guy that I like the most in that 5K range. I love Brandon Cooks this week. Brandon Cooks is $5,500, I think, is where he's sitting at right now. 12 targets, 9 targets, 9 targets in the last three games. Put up at least 8 catches in in every one of those games, at least 60 yards. So, I mean, you're talking about at least a 14, 15 fantasy points right there if he keeps going in the same direction that he has been going these last couple games here. And he has the upside. I mean, the one game where he had 12 targets, I think he finished with 8 catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's just monstrous, like 33, 34 fantasy point performance. You get a guy that's 5,500 that puts up 30 fantasy points, you're talking 5 or 6x. You're talking being on pace for a 275, 300 roster, which would be something that would win you the Millie Maker and basically any other tournament that you entered on DraftKings most weeks if you're there. Or at the very least, put you up into that, uh, you know, that little part at the top there with the caches where it has all the comments in it. And it'll be a good day for you if you're in that spot. So, I like him the most. Brandon Cook's probably my favorite play in that 5-6K range right there. 
I think a lot of people are going to be on Cooks, especially what he did to Jacksonville last time, albeit at a much cheaper price point. But I think people will go there, and that will leave a lot of ownership off of Cole Beasley, who's in the best matchup of the week uh, in a game where you'd expect them to be having to throw a lot, unless the weather is a complete disaster in Buffalo, which could be. It's Buffalo. Who knows? But I'm actually just going to be on Deontay Johnson. He's off the injury report. That's the guy in this offense that I always want uh whenever he can play an entire game he absolutely goes off just looking at his numbers up and these are all the free tools which you can find in the description of the video and podcast up at ftndaily.com Deontay Johnson right now has an almost 20 percent target share of this offense and he's missed considerable time uh he is the guy that Ben trusts first now if it's going to be like a very close game and you got to convert some third and twos and they're passing that's where Juju is doing all his work Deep shots with Claypool, uh, intermediate routes, and red zone with Deontay Johnson and Juju for just really short stuff. I do like your call of Connor, obviously. It's it's just trying to parse out which of the Steelers are best, and I like Deontay Johnson objectively the best of the receivers, and he's the cheapest. So that's going to find him in some of my lineups. Other than that, below 5K, do you got anyone that, like, we, we need to find some money to save here somehow. If Tim Patrick is active, I'm playing Tim Patrick at 4900 bucks. Yeah, and if he's not active, you can look at Deshaun Hamilton at 3200 bucks, who I think is uh, a way to save a lot of money there. There's a lot of guys under this 5K range that I'm interested in here. We even Let's go to the 5K range right there. Like Marvin Jones, uh, you know, Marvin Jones, if there's no Kenny Galladay here, and Stafford does wind up playing, at 5100 is somebody that I like. Had two touchdowns last week. I, I don't. I, I just straight up don't like Marvin Jones. It's just his role doesn't change when Galladay is not out. He's just Marvin Jones who's going to score three touchdowns or Marvin Jones who's going to have three targets and no catches. Like his role legit never changes. Yeah, but that's what I like about him for a Millie Maker is that he is a guy that does score touchdowns. And you saw it last week. He got the two touchdowns last week. He was 4,200. I played him a little bit last week because I started noticing that you know, he was getting a little more involved in the offense. He was a guy that was a little banged up at the beginning of the year, and now he's pretty much back to being 100% healthy. The thing I like about this range, man, I was like, when you're looking in this $5,100 range, for me, like, I am I have a number in my head when I'm trying to trying to win a tournament. Like, I want to get to around 250 Now, a lot of times you fall short. Well, actually, 90% of the time you fall short. <laughs> not, not, 90, hold, hold on, hold, hold on. Yeah. 90% of the time you fall short. Yeah, of- probably even 99% of the Well, you know what? We had some of those chalk weeks. You had a whole bunch of lineups that got up there and still only wound up min-cashing. But, I mean, like, that's what you're really looking at. You know, if you're going to win a Millie Maker, you're not going to win a Millie Maker with 179, right? Like, you're just you're not going to win it with that number. You need to get up into that 250 range, which means if you're looking at a $50,000 salary, you need basically five points per $1,000 worth of salary that you're spending. So when you have these guys like a, like a Marvin Jones at 5,100, if you get 100 yards receiving, that's 13 fantasy points. You get the hunt, you know, the 10 for that, and you get the three-point bonus on DraftKings. You probably have five or six catches to get there and a touchdown. That puts you at 25 fantasy points. So I like when I can find guys in this $5,000 range that I think could get me five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And I think that's something that Marvin Jones has the ability to do. And even if he doesn't get there, if he does something like he did last week where he gets two touchdowns, well, hell, now you only need three or four catches and 40 yards and those same two touchdowns. And it still puts you in that 20-25 range that you're going to need where your overall score adds up to somewhere around that 250 and at least gives you a chance to sniff the big money when you're playing in, uh, in some of these tournaments. So Marvin Jones, I know you're not a big fan. I like Marvin Jones a lot this week, whether Kenny Galladay plays or not. The thing that it really hinges on is whether or not Matt Stafford plays because I don't know if I really want to go and take Marvin Jones with uh, Chase Daniels on the center. 
One of the things that you can do in the optimizer up on FTN Daily is set where you want the project, how you want the projections to read themselves. And Marvin Jones is a good example like this. If you just use the baseline for your projections, he's going to be like, okay. But if you go to like, what is the 99th percentile outcome for these players? Marvin Jones all of a sudden projects super highly. It's like if you try to do like the safe, the cash game type, well, give me like the 25%. Let's let's run it and see who had the best floor projections. He's going to be like at the very bottom. He's just one of those guys. Like Hollywood Brown. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the advanced version of this because Tyreek Hill rarely has like a bad game, but his good game is like the best game that you can have. So Marvin Jones is kind of on that level too, just because his touchdown projections are always going to be so high. It's just they all tend to come in clusters, which is really weird. But for the rest of the guys below $5,000, Zach Pascal, I find is really interesting with Marlon Humphrey not playing because he's on the COVID list. It looks like Michael Pittman's going to get sacrificed to Jimmy Smith, leaving Pascal in the slot who played the most snaps on the Colts last week. This is a game where presumably they're going to have to throw a lot. He's 4300 bucks. I just don't, I don't know. I can't figure out if he's a good play or just a shitty play, but I do like where his potential opportunity comes for in this game. Yeah, I mean, I have him on the list down here in the $4,000 range is actually my favorite play. He's the number one guy that I'm looking at down in that, in that uh, price range here. He's been basically their number one receiver all season long. I, I know a lot of people love T.Y. Hilton, but listen, T.Y. Hilton, I don't know what I don't, I don't know what's wrong with T.Y. Hilton, but you just look at the production, you look at him out there, whether he's banged up, whether he just doesn't have a rapport with uh, Phillip Rivers. I think we only had one game all season where T.Y. Hilton's had double-digit fantasy points, and it, and it hasn't been good. Now, again, we've had some Zach Pascal games where he hasn't put up very big fantasy points either. This is a team that does use their tight ends quite a bit. They got three of them, and they throw the ball to all three of them. They use their backs in the passing game as well. So it's not like we have a ton of targets that go out to the wide receivers here. But, yeah, Zach Pascal is the best of those guys. And at 4300 you don't need him to do a lot to really pay off that salary. If he goes for, you know, three or four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown, you're going to be fine with that for the $4,300 price tag. Another guy down there that I kind of like, and I know I'm going to be one of the few people that are on him this week, but, again, I'm trying to win a Millie maker. Keelan Cole, I think is a really, really good option here because people talk about Chanel. They talk about DJ Shark. Nobody's going to want to play Jacksonville this week. New quarterback situation they got going on. To me, Keelan Cole is the guy who's been the most consistent. He's played the most snaps the last couple weeks. Um, you know, he sees targets. He sees red zone looks. He gets he gets touchdowns as well. And he's only $4,000. So when you're looking down here, one of the things I look at when I'm looking at these guys at the bottom is – what do I really need to get out of this guy in order to get value? If he goes out and scores a touchdown, I can pretty much guarantee he's going to give me at least 3x. And if he has a touchdown and even a decent game, you could get 4 or 5x out of him as well. So Keelan Cole, somebody in that $4,000 range I'm looking at too. And I have a feeling that he's going to be 1% owned. So he could be one of those guys that uh, changes things a lot for you in a million maker. Depending on how you think this Dolphins-Cardinals game is going to go, Preston Williams at 4,100 appears to have the most upside if you believe that Tua can get him the ball. I don't know if I believe that Tua can get him the ball, but I'm willing to take the chance that Tua can get him the ball at that price because, again, if we don't think that the running game is going to be very productive, which, listen, the reason why Gaskins was in there is because Breda and and Jordan Howard as a combo obviously wasn't cutting it for them, and they felt they needed to go another direction. So if they can't get anything going on the ground and they have to throw the ball to kind of stay in this game, I mean, yeah, we know where the ball's going to go. Um, there's really two wide receivers on Miami that do anything. They just traded – Isaiah Ford, who was another guy they had there. 
Um, so maybe even like a, a Jakeem Grant might see a little bit of work. But for the most part, the passes are going to Preston Wilson, uh, Preston Williams. They're going to um, Devontae Parker. And they're going to go to Mike Kosicki. So if you think that two is going to have to throw the ball a little bit, those are the guys that are going to be getting it. Nothing ever goes to Mike Kosicki. That never happens. Trust me, I play they, him. I play him all the time. He sucks. They give him some. They give him some red zone looks sometimes. I, I feel like he's a, a better player than we've seen. Uh, they just haven't had a chance to really use him the right way. So, I still like him. Forty four hundred. I think is his price tag this week. He's actually my favorite Dolphins pass catcher. He's the guy that I have in uh, a couple of my lineups already. I, I can't. I just can't do it. It's, it's zero half the time. Like Smythe or what the hell that guy's name is. Adam Shaheen's gonna catch a touchdown. Like I, I just. I hate it so much. I, my, like I said, my big thing is that you know they had Gaskins there, and they were giving Gaskins a lot of a lot of touches. He was getting a lot of carries. He was getting some of the passing down work too. Without him, the only way I see them winning this game is going to the air. And Tua was a guy who was more used to playing in that you know that spread kind of offense. So I think they're going to put him in shotgun, and I think you're going to see Gasecki working out of the slot here, and I think he's going to get a lot of targets. All right, so I have three guys below. $4,000 that I think are live. Maybe you can add to this too, but one is Darnell Mooney against the Titans. Uh, if you don't like Allen Robinson, you can get discount Allen Robinson for you know, less than half the price. That's not bad. Marvin Hall, if Stafford plays, will be filling in for Kenny Galladay, presumably, unless Quintez Seifer ends up active, which he was not last week. That's why Hall got all of the run in that spot. He's also super cheap and should see a fuckload of targets. So I like that. And the other one is going to be David Moore at $3,100. We know that he's going to run routes, and I'm going to hit on the same thing when it comes down to the tight ends as well. You're going to want exposure to the Seahawks and Bills game. David Moore is a very cheap piece to this, and if you do think that Tredavious White can take out DK Metcalf, I'm not saying don't play Tyler Lockett, but I'm saying that you could play David Moore as well as a part of that stack. Lockett, Moore, Russell Wilson, and just hold your breath and hope that DK Metcalf doesn't do anything. What 100%. I mean, Moore, Moore is the boomer bust kind of guy, but he has a lot of touchdown upside, right? And you know he's never going to be double teamed because he's at, at best probably the fourth best option that they're going to look at there. And at 3,100, all he needs to do is get in the end zone once. If he makes... Any catch he makes is going to be a, a you know fantasy point, and then the touchdown will be six. He's going to get seven. He could have one catch and wind up with you know three X on that one catch there. So I don't mind that at all at 3,100. You named all the guys that I have on the list, and I'll throw a couple other names out there for you to look at too. Uh, like I said, Deshaun Hamilton, if Tim Patrick doesn't play there, I think he's another guy you could look at. He's down there at 3,200. Uh, Dontrell Inman. I think is another one of those boomer bust kind of guys. You're only going to get about five targets out of him, but those five targets are probably more than you're going to see out of a guy like David Moore too. Uh, although I do think Moore has more touchdown equity. And then the only other guy I'd be looking at down there too is uh, the Marcus Robinson from the Kansas City Chiefs. But this really all hinges like him. And we didn't talk about Miko Hardman either. I don't know the Sammy Watkins status. It looks like there's a chance Watkins could play now. If Watkins plays, I don't want anything to do with Hardman or with uh, – you know, Demarcus Robinson. But if there's no Sammy Watkins, then those guys are going to go back to seeing a lot more snaps. And they're a little bit underpriced, especially Robinson, who's down there at 3,100. Uh, played him a little bit. I think it was last week. He went, what, like four for 60 and a touchdown, uh, which again, 16 fantasy points for 3,100. You're perfectly fine with that if you can get it. But you got to look and see what the deal is with Sammy Watkins. Because if Watkins plays, I don't want anything to do with either one of those guys. 
The problem with Inman is he only played 25% of the snaps against the Cowboys. That's not great. Now it does appear like Steve Sims is coming back, which could hurt into just eat into that snap share and playing time anyway. I think I'd just, I would try to see where it opens up a little bit. Like play someone from the great offense like David Moore, who could definitely go off and is a leverage play, or someone like Mooney or potentially Marvin Hall if Stafford ends up playing and Seifer's out, that you just know they're going to be on the field 85% of the time in an offense that's probably going to have to throw a little bit that would be where i would go if those things don't present themselves i'm just gonna stay away from this entire range let's go to tight end you mentioned gasicki uh i just can't do that i've done it like five times this year and i think he has a total of three fantasy points uh in the games that i have used him in combined so that's always fun kelsey is by far the most expensive at seventy two hundred dollars uh then it drops down to waller who's in a fantastic spot at 58 hawkinson's a bit banged up but he continues to produce at 51 i think for me it's either going to be Waller, Fant, or Hayden Hurst. Okay, so I, I mean, for me, it's Kelsey, Fant, or Hayden Hurst. So we're probably on the same uh, the same wavelength a little bit there with the cheaper guys. Listen, Kelsey, I, I get it. He's the most expensive guy out there, but he's also the most consistent guy out there. Um, probably wouldn't. I never really pay up for tight end in the in the millie maker, right? So if I'm in some of these qualifiers, like a you know. A, a pool that only has maybe like three or 400 people or up to a thousand people there. I'd be more likely to pay up for a Kelsey than I am in a Millie maker in a Millie maker. I'm really probably going to wind up going down. I mean, even like above 5k, even a Waller is probably a little expensive for the way I try to build my Millie maker lineups usually. So I'm going to end up with a lot of Hayden Hurst and, and a ton of Noah fan. Noah fan is the guy that I actually pretty much have the most faith and I think I have the most exposure to right now. Now, again, the lineups I make on Wednesday are rarely ever the same as they are on Sunday with everything that happens between now and then. But right now, I think I have Fant as my, my highest owned tight end. Um, Atlanta's giving up an absolute ton of points to the tight end position, so you should want to attack them there. This is a guy that has had at least five targets in every game he's played this year. I think he's averaging more like seven or eight targets right here. I just think it's a great spot for him to produce, you know, the, the wide receivers are banged up a little bit on this team here. I think they're going to be trailing. They're going to have to throw. I think they're going to have to put up points in this game. Just a lot of things have pointed me to Noah fan. So he's going to be my favorite overall of all those guys. Uh, Logan Thomas is below $4,000. He just continues to see work. He's been actually coming through on everything at least since Kyle Allen has taken over under center. But the one that I really wanted to point to, almost like the David Moore situation at wide receiver, Will Disley has started to run more routes than Greg Olson. And again, the middle of the field is where you attack the Bills in the passing game. He's only $2,700. Could be a zero. I'm going to say that's his downside. Zero points. Hell, maybe he'll get a one-yard catch and fumble, and then he's in the negatives and you're fucked anyway. But at the same time, it's a situation where $2,700 as a piece of that game with Russell You can only do it if you play Russell Wilson along with him. But everyone everyone else in that game is super expensive, unless you go with, like, John Brown and Cole Beasley instead of Steph Diggs. But Disley is a very cheap piece of this game that I think that could have an impact here. Yeah, and again, I'm going to go with what you said before, too. It's like if you're playing Russell Wilson and you want to put him in there at tight end, I'm good with that as part of the stack. I don't know if I'd play him as a standalone out there, though. I don't think there's enough value in it, even with the $2,700 price tag. That kind of gets you the extra money you need to make sure that you can get that second, third, or fourth stud into your lineup, depending on how you're building it out there. I like both of them. You mentioned Logan Thomas. I actually like both of the tight ends in that game. Uh, Evan Ingram hasn't really put up big numbers yet, but he's getting a lot of targets and he's on the field all the time. 
And, and I just think that that is a, a really good spot for him. And he's only 4,300. Like at the beginning of the year, if you would have told me that I'm getting Evan Ingram at 4,300 and he's coming off of nine and 10 targets in back-to-back weeks, I would have been like, all right, well, then we're all in on, on Evan Ingram this week here. So I like him at 4,300. I think he's going to go even lower owned than some of the other guys we mentioned, like the Noah Fance and the Hayden Hurst and all that. Logan Thomas, again, I have no problem with Logan Thomas either. 3,700 is a very cheap price. This is a guy that has touchdown upside. Um, you know, if we assume that Terry McLaurin is not going to have the biggest game here as he's, you know, in a little bit of a tougher matchup, the ball's got to go somewhere else. That's why I'm looking at guys like a Dontrell Inman or, a, you know, even a, a Logan Thomas here because I think they are going to have to throw the ball at least a little bit in order to beat the Giants. It's not like the Giants are a great defense, although they're, they're slightly better than I think people give them credit for, but I don't consider them great. I don't think they're going to go out there and shut people down. Logan Thomas at 3,700. Yeah, he's probably TD dependent. He doesn't get 8, 10 targets like an Evan Ingram does there. But he is somebody who's interesting. But I do like both of the tight ends in that game as well. Let's talk about these stacks. What are the proper team stacks and or game stacks? Because I'm thinking right off the hop, if I just pull up the over-unders for the week. You go check out DraftKings Sportsbook, by the way, if you want to you want to go wager on the game, if wagering is legal in your state. But I, I just I like both just from an objective standpoint because of the quarterbacks in the game, the Bill Seahawks game and the Cardinals and Miami game are probably my two favorites. And, and honestly, I think C- Seattle and Buffalo ends up most likely as the chalkiest game on the slate. Like, I think people are going to play, whether you're stacking it or even whether you're just making teams, you're going to wind up with at least a couple pieces of that game there, uh, especially the big guys. Like we said, you know, Russ, Lockett, uh, Diggs, you know, some of the running backs. I, I think that's going to end up being the highest owned. The other one you mentioned, though, is very interesting. I like, I really, really like the idea of the Miami stack here. Um, Miami and Arizona game there because there's a lot of guys that are fairly priced on the Miami side of it where you could fit Kyler Murray and, you know, Hopkins or Kyler Hopkins and Chase Edmonds in there and then run it back with, with Preston or run it back with Gasicki on the other side there. Um, so I, I like that one as well. Where else do you think that you're going to get a lot of stack coming from here? Because when you start looking at this other stuff, you know, there's always going to be guys on Kansas City, but I don't think that the Kansas City-Carolina stack is going to be super highly owned. I think it'll be around like 10%, most of the guys there. I do think the Atlanta game is going to wind up with more ownership than people think. You know, you got you mentioned Drew Locke before. Like, to me, there are two types of people that win. There are two types of stacks that win Millie Makers. You pay for one of these dynamic quarterbacks like uh, – you know, the Watsons, the Allens, the Murrays, the, the the Wilsons, the Mahomes, that could put up four or five touchdowns. They could also do it with their legs. Or you pick on the really, really bad defenses. So I think people are going to be going to the Drew Locke route with a bunch of those cheap Denver pass catchers, whether it's Fant, and then one of the guys that we kind of talked about of those wide receivers, you know, depending on how the, uh, the Tim Patrick thing works out. And then running it back on the other side with, uh, you know, with like a Julio Jones or, or a Hayden Hurst or something like that. I think that game will have some ownership there. And then the only other game I think will take some ownership is probably Houston and Jacksonville. But, um, it, yeah, think, but okay, this is what I wanted to hit on. But it's all okay, going to yeah. be—it's all going to be on the Houston side. Could you play Jake Luton with DJ Chark or with James Robinson or whoever? Because that is not expensive whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I—I I get 
the thought process behind it. I mean, if you play Luton, DJ Shark is the most expensive wide receiver, I'm pretty sure, on Jacksonville. And he's like 5,200 maybe. So if you can get – again, you don't need a ton out of him. If you can get a touchdown, six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown, you'd be okay with that. You know, what would you really need out of Luton, though? You would need – see, this is the thing. If you're trying to, like – if you're trying to squeeze in Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey – and still play one of the high-end wide receivers. I think you can. But I don't really know if that's the path to victory here this week because you would still need the Jacksonville stack to probably go off for 50-plus points. And I just don't see how it gets there. Yeah, and the biggest problem with Luton is just looking back at his Oregon State stats, he doesn't run. Like, if he was someone who, even like last year, you could have played like Jeff Driscoll when he started for the Lions because you knew he was going to run the ball seven times a game. And now all of a sudden, if he scores a rushing touchdown, you're looking a whole lot better. That floor comes up a whole lot more. Like, this guy could just be a fucking disaster. We have no idea. So probably fade him. Drew Locke is super cheap, though. I'm going to be using Drew Locke. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, you could build. You could use Drew Locke, throw in Noah Fan, and throw in one of those wide receivers. And what what does it cost you? Less than 15K there? Yeah, you go Locke, Patrick, and Fant if you wanted to, uh, and that costs, let's see, 52, 49, 46. Yeah, it's less than 15K. Yeah, so you're definitely going to be able to go and get probably two of the big ones if you want. You could get like Dow, you could put Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry together there and, and still not really have to punt that wide receiver. You'd still have like, you know, the five or 6K range to go out there and get some wide receivers to kind of round out that roster, which, you know, again, the five or, the five or 6K range for wide receivers, if you get 100 yards, you get five catches and you get a touchdown. You're looking at around 25 fantasy points. So if you can get these guys for five or six K, that's five, that's four or five X if you can get up to there. So it's not a bad way to go about building a lineup here. My problem is when you're in a Millie Maker, you know, you got to think of it this way. It's like, yeah, you're saving the money to go get these guys, but you still need those 5K guys. You still need the Drew Locke to go out there. You're not expecting them to get the 40 that a Mahomes, a Wilson, a Murray, you know, that one of those guys have as their ceiling, but you still need more than 20 out of them. You're still going to need 28 to 32 fantasy points at five. It was it 5,200 for lock. You're still going to need somewhere in that range in order to win a big tournament like the Millie Maker. So there is still, you do still need Drew Lock to play like the Drew Lock game that goes on his highlight reel. Sure, but even if you do that, it gives you some exposure. Like, if you want to play the two tight ends, that you can play Hurst and Julio as a comeback. Or the guy that we didn't even bring up in this entire thing, that if you do play, like, even a mini stack with Denver, bring it back with Gurley, potentially, because no one's doing that. But I think my favorite thing that I'm going to be doing is, again, attacking that Bills and Seahawks game, but build it with Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, and either Cole Beasley or John Brown, depending on his health, and then bring it back with Lockett and one of the either make the tight end uh, Will Disley or have David Moore as the other piece, only because I know that those guys are going to be so lowly owned that if they do end up scoring, well, it does add to all the Russell Wilson stacks. He does, They don't get the double points out of it, and I can mitigate it that way at low ownership. Yeah, two, you, you bring up two really good points here that I think people need to understand when they're building tournament lineups. One is when you have a game like Seattle-Buffalo that we expect to be really highly owned, being on the lower-owned side of that game is always the better way to do it game theory-wise. So meaning, yes, Russell Wilson is probably the side that more people are going to be on, but being on the Josh Allen side, being on the Buffalo side, it probably gives you a better chance to get to the top of that tournament because, let's face it, if he's trailing and he's you know trying to catch up the Russ, he could wind up putting up the same kind of numbers. 
He also has a little bit more rushing equity. No disrespect to Russell Wilson, who can actually run the ball too. But you're probably going to get a, a better running score from Josh Allen. He's a guy that, you know, they use him a little bit like they use Cam down there in the red zone sometimes. So he could get you the touchdown that way. He could also throw a couple touchdowns. The thing we've been talking about with Seattle all year long is how bad their, you know, their defense is and how they keep getting into shootouts here. And you don't have to overthink that. That's why I think the Seattle-Buffalo game is going to wind up being the highest owned one out there because all the Seattle games kind of turn into shootouts here. And then the other thing that you mentioned was guys like a David Moore and guys like a, like a Will Disley, you can play the stack that is going to be chalky and you really only need to do one or two things that are a little bit different than everybody else does. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs are a good example of this. Everybody always plays Travis Kelsey. Everybody always plays Tyree Kill. Everybody always plays over the years, whoever the running back is, along with Mahomes. But if you look at the, you know, people who've won qualifiers and people who have taken down some of these big prize pools, it's when they had McCall Hardman and he went for two touchdowns or when they played Demarcus Robinson and nobody else did at 2% and Demarcus Robinson was min price and he had the touchdown. If you get a two-touchdown David Moore game here, you're going to get David Moore at 3 or 4%. And then if you have all the other pieces of this game that everybody else has, you only really got to have one or two things that are off the board in these lineups in order to be unique enough to get to the top. A David Moore, a Will Disley, that's enough where you can play all the chalk, which is one or two of these low-owned guys. And if those guys hit, you're sitting pretty and going to have a really good day. Let's go to defense before we can close this out. Again, smash the like button of the episode in the comment section. You give me your favorite defensive play. Cheap D of the week. Last week we went with the Dolphins, and I might go with the Dolphins again at 2800 bucks. I'm Again, I'm not super concerned if the other team puts up points. I'm looking for sacks. I'm looking for turnovers. I'm looking for pressures. And Kyler Murray enjoys himself a turnover and a sack from time to time. Even if he does score 40 points, uh, maybe one will go back the other way. The Broncos as well, even against the Atlanta offense, they just bring it ton of pressure that you know it's just one bad Matt Ryan pass and all of a sudden even if they give up 35 points they're still scoring 14 going back the other way so those are the two that I really look at I think the Vikings would be a trap to play if Stafford's out I don't know if they'd be a trap but but here's the thing with defense defenses are are so variable right like even even when you're playing the chalk defense and it looks like they could be good they could go out and shut a team out and maybe they only get one sack. Maybe they don't have any turnovers. Maybe they only score four or five fantasy points. You know, you looked at the Miami Dolphins last week. Miami was the defense that I think was like the highest owned of all the low ones. They were like 10, 11% in a lot of the other tournaments that I was in last week. They had the, they had the random touchdown here. They had a couple picks, a couple interceptions. So what I like to do with defense is I want to be on a team that I feel comfortable with, but I don't ever want to play the chalk when it comes to defense. I have basically faded the chalk defense every single week that I play DFS, and I'm not going to stop doing that now. So, you know, you got teams like the Houston Texans, I think will be kind of chalky. Minnesota will be kind of chalky as well there. You know, you mentioned one of the teams that I like a little bit here in the Broncos. You know, again, they bring pressure. It's not like we haven't seen Matt Ryan go out there and have a whole bunch of interceptions and kind of screw things up. But I'm also going to throw another one out there, Mayo. And I want to give DraftKings props here for doing this because some of the other sites didn't do it this week. And the fact that they didn't do it is going to cause people to play a ton of Pittsburgh Steelers. DraftKings shot the price of the Steelers up this week because they're going against the Nucci and that banged-up Cowboys team. They are $4,900. I think the next closest defense is like seventeen dollars or $1,800 away. 
like in the in the you know like the the three thousand range or something. Yeah, like it, that. It, it's the Steelers at forty nine and the Chiefs at thirty seven hundred. Yeah, there you go. So you got like a twelve hundred dollar drop off from them right there, which I think is going to scare people away from them, which is going to make it something that I'm going to try to do. Now again, not easy to fit a forty nine hundred dollar defense in there, but I think they're going to go lower owned, and this is a team that could put up. They could have five sacks this week and two or three turnovers and get in the end zone or so. I like it a lot, and I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing it over there. You look at some of the other sites that maybe price that down a little bit there, they're going to wind up being super chalk over there, and, and that's definitely not the way you want to go about doing it. Well, I, the, the whole thing is I didn't even know other sites existed. People should only be playing on DraftKings.com. I don't disagree with you. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait two weeks just to get paid. Oh, <laughs> uh, So – Pittsburgh is actually one I had written down. I want to see the ownership projections because no matter how much smart people, this is a galaxy brain move because we think this is way too much for a defense. No one would ever pay that much for a defense. And you start thinking, well, if no one's going to use Pittsburgh, they do have the best matchup. I'll find a way to get them in. You have to think about how the casual person plays this. Like, oh, Pittsburgh's by far the best defense. I'll play them. Most people don't think about it completely in terms of the way that sometimes that we think that everyone does. So I don't think that Pittsburgh will be as lowly owned as maybe you think they are, but I'm willing to kind of check out the ownership projections. I still think they come in around like nine, 10, 12% when all is said and done, because people will see like, Oh, that's better than taking Philip Lindsay. I'll just take Pittsburgh's defense. They'll score more points. I like Washington and Tennessee. If you can get in that low $3,000 level, I think that's where you should be. Yeah, even the, even the Ravens. I don't hate the Ravens against Indianapolis here as well. I think Indianapolis is going to have to throw the ball in order to, uh, to have a chance to win this game. And I don't really believe in them all that much in the, in the passing game as well. So the Ravens here, I think, will be a team that very few people are going to play. They're kind of sandwiched in with, you know, you mentioned Washington, who I think a lot of people like. And I don't hate Washington either. I mean, I'm willing to play against the Jets and the Giants pretty much on a weekly basis. And, and, and Washington's defense is good. Oh, and especially the pass rush. I mean, you got you got a very good defensive line there that um, can get some things done. And then, you know, even on the back end, they do create some turnovers. So it's not like it's a bad team at all right there. You know, there, there really isn't – my whole thing, especially if you're playing in the Millie Maker, and I know this is kind of a cop-out, but what you really want to do is just look at who the highly owned defenses are projected to be. Again, go over to FTN. The projections will be up, I think, either later today or tomorrow. You can see which defenses are projected to be highly owned. Play defenses that are not projected to be highly owned because guys can return a punt, guys get an interception, pick six. Those things are so unpredictable that any one of these defenses could wind up being the top defense on a given week, which I know sounds like a cop-out, but when you're trying to figure out how to you know, embrace the fact that variance happens in, the, in a fantasy sports like this, you want to embrace variance in the places where it's going to give you the biggest benefit. So we know that there's really no way you can kind of predict what all these defenses are going to do on a given week. If you tried, you're probably going to be wrong on more than half of them. So don't try to be right. Just try to be different. So it's better to be on a defense that nobody else is on, in my opinion, than it is to be on the right chalk defense that everybody else is playing. If a chalk defense hits, there's a good chance I'm having a bad week because I probably didn't play it. If some random defense winds up getting two interceptions and – pulling off an upset. Those are the kind of things that can help you win a Millie maker. If you're trying to become a millionaire, that will do it. 
on the Pat Mayo Experience. Week 9, DraftKings Picks. I want to thank you again, Benny, for coming on. So you can follow Benny on Twitter at BennyR11. You can check him out at FTNDaily.com, at FTNBets.com, and tell everyone else what – he said you pitched this content schedule, which if you're out there – and you're trying to break into this industry in particular, or any sort of media industry, having a plan of what you can actually produce, you'd be shocked how far that actually goes to people that are hiring me. Like, oh, this is what you're going to do? Now I don't have to come up for stuff. I don't have to fill time for what you're going to do? That, that makes you very hireable. Listen, there's two things I tell anybody who wants to break into this industry. One is never say no. If somebody comes to you and says, want to be a part on my part, sure, absolutely, I'll, be, I'll, I'll do it. If somebody says, hey, I can pay you 20 bucks or 50 bucks to write an article, say yes to all of that because it all leads to other things. And then the other thing I tell people all the time is be consistent. If you decide you want to do a podcast and your podcast is going to be a weekly thing, a daily thing, whatever it is, if you tell people you're putting out a podcast once a week and it's going to be Tuesday night at 7 to 8, no matter what else is going on, make sure that podcast comes out every week, Tuesday night at 7 to 8 because people will start including that into their weekly routine of how they're going about doing their research or how they're going about doing things. And as soon as you become part of that weekly routine, now other people are going to see and be like, Hey, this guy does good work. He's does it. He's done it consistently. He's somebody that can be around as somebody who's probably going to be doing some of the hiring over at FTN. I can tell you, those are things that I'm going to be looking for and people who we hire to bring on and be part of the team over there, because you could just say to them, Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing it on a consistent basis. And, the more consistent you are with things, the more your following and your audience starts to grow. And, you know, the man I'm sitting here talking to right now is a great example of that. He's been doing it for a long time. He's been consistent. He's been cranking out good content. And that's why all you guys are here listening to him. Well, good content is pretty subjective. Terrible advice, but it always comes out. You can always count on it being terrible advice from me, but you can always count on the time that it's coming out. Thanks for being on the show, dude. I look forward to reading your first stuff up over on FTNDaily.com. Again, code Mayo gets you a discount over there. As for me, I will have my tournament pivots up on FTNDaily.com. The cheat sheet will be up on dkplaybook.com check out all the stuff from the rest of the week i got a ton of masters content coming out for you so stick with the pat mayo experience if you're a video watcher and not subscribe to the pat mayo experience audio podcast if you've got an iphone even if you don't listen to it please download it helps out the show rate and review five stars as well if you are an audio listener and you are not yet subscribed to mayo media network on youtube fucking do it right now all right help me out okay we're almost we're, we want to get to 20k subs by the end of football season uh we're at 16k now so we we need some of you people who are listening. I see the numbers on the people downloading. I know you're not all coming over and helping us out. It takes four seconds as long as you got a Gmail account. So please do that for me. Smash the like while you're over there too. Thank you all for watching. Good luck in week nine. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.